Welcome back, listeners, to the third episode of the Benicia Historical Museum Quarantine Camelcast. I'm your host, Dean Putong, and I'm a rising senior at Yale University, currently interning here at the museum. With me is my podcast partner, Elizabeth Duarte, the executive director here at the museum. Third podcast already, huh? How are you today? I'm great, Dean. Thank you very, very much for asking. And I'm excited about this discussion because, honestly, most people would not put the words California and the Civil War together in the same sentence. (laughs) Well, thanks, as always, for being here. For those that may not have listened to the first episodes, this podcast is an informal, casual discussion on topics we decide on the week prior. And I found at my time in school back east that sometimes I learned through more through my conversations with professors and friends outside of the classroom. So with today's topic, I hope we can spark an interest in some important events that have shaped our community. So for today's episode, I want to focus on the American Civil War, the role of California, and specifically the involvement of the Benicia Arsenal. I had a class this past semester called Civil War and Reconstruction, and I absolutely loved it. And like most experiences learning about the Civil War, though, as you've said, California was rarely mentioned. Well, that is understandable, right? I mean, the Union and Confederacy fought most of their battles in the eastern half of the United States. And in fact, Texas was the westernmost state to declare support for the Confederacy. That's very true. However, the secessionist ideals of the Confederacy were widespread all across the country and felt even in California. That's true. For example, Democrats dominated California's politics at the time of California's entrance into the Union. The Republicans would only assume control of the state when the Democratic Party split over support for a civil war. Yeah, most people don't realize the great number of Californians that supported secession at the state's entrance into the Union. Hundreds of thousands of immigrants arrived during the gold rush, all with different agendas like foreign immigrants, northern businessmen, and southern slaveholders who actually used their slaves during the gold rush. So with all of these divergent groups and political agendas, I'm guessing that California's entrance into the Union was complicated? Yes, to say the least. It was definitely not simple. As with all debates in American politics, particularly leading up to the Civil War, the inclusion of California as a free state was marked with division, compromise, and further division. The Compromise of 1850 that included Californian statehood also addressed concerns regarding Texan claims on Mexican territory, as well as the concept of popular sovereignty, which actually residents of each territory would decide if slavery was to be permitted. So this was during the era when many attempts at compromise between slave and free states were occurring. And, of course, that coincided with the creation, the, the start of the arsenal, which was founded, so to speak, in 1852. So, yeah, the Benicia arsenal was incredibly important to the United States for well over a century, and it provided tens of thousands of arms to the Union right when the Civil War broke out and served as a major staging point for Union soldiers all across the West. Arsenal was actually designated as one of the United States' five permanent arsenals, with President Lincoln himself assigning it as a military reservation in 1862. And throughout the war, the arsenal was a distribution center for the Army on the West Coast, and also a major supplier for the arsenals on the East Coast. 
The production of armaments away from the fighting was very important to troop logistics and security. And there were also garrisons here in California and the territories in the southwest and northeast that also needed to be armed at all times. But again, there wasn't much fighting here in California. As a free state, I can't imagine that California would be in immediate threat of conflict. No, California was not necessarily a battleground in what was, by all accounts, an incredibly bloody war. However, there was a particular importance in controlling the state. The large gold deposits, which, which is what we're famous for, um, that in all cases built the state too, were essential in supporting the war effort and federal income. I actually have a quote from Abraham Lincoln in 1865 that I think encapsulates this idea. And I quote, I have long desired to see California. The production of her gold mines has been a marvel to me and her stand for the union. Her generous offerings and her loyal representatives have endeared your people to me. And nothing would give me more pleasure than a visit to the Pacific shore and to say in person to your citizens, God bless you for your devotion to the union. But the unknown is before us. I may say, however, that I have it now on purpose when the railroad is finished, to visit your wonderful state. So, do we know exactly how much California gold was shipped to the Union? From the importance given to it by the North, I would imagine it's quite a large amount. I did some research on this, actually, and the Los Angeles Star reported in 1861 that the amount of treasure shipped from California during 1860 was $42,287,839, and that's about... $1.3 billion today, and if this was just in one year, I imagine it's a lot more over the course of the Civil War. Wow, that's incredible. No wonder the Union wanted to keep control of California. With the secession of the southern states and the cotton industry, which I'm sure was very profitable, keeping gold from the West in Union hands and out of the Confederates. Larder, the Treasury, so to speak, was probably vital to the war efforts. You mentioned that there were voices here in California that were sympathetic to the Confederate cause. What impact did this have? This is not a well-known part in California history. There was a powerful vocal minority of Southern Democrats and secessionists all over the state. They had actually become a sizable majority in Southern California in particular. And as for their impact, they were unsuccessful in their attempts to form separate states within the California territory and to also form their own militias. So after the Union-controlled Fort Sumter was fired upon, these movements were quickly suppressed by federal troops. But the success of these sympathizing voices is something that I want to spend a little time on. And this actually connects back here to Benicia and the Camel Barns. So we spoke of in our first episode that Jefferson Davis, the now president of the Confederate States, was essential in the beginnings of the Camel Corps and their use in the West. Well, the routes that were used, traveling through states like New Mexico, Arizona, and ending here in California, just so happened to start in the Confederate states such as Texas. So due to the gold rush and similarly warm climates, by about 1861, three-eighths of the 400,000 strong population of California were actually people that came from the South. So how exactly did these sympathizers spread their message of Southern support? They did it in a few ways. Often they formed gangs or joined secret societies like the Knights of the Golden Circle and terrorized their opponents and robbed Union gold but perhaps more fitting of their elevated status as they thought of themselves throughout California. These groups attempted to flood the press with their own newspapers and propaganda, and one called the Equal Rights Expositor called Lincoln, and this is a quote, a narrow-minded bigot, an unprincipled demagogue, a driveling, idiotic, imbecile creature who is regarded with pity 
approaching contempt by the whole world and will die universally execrated. Wow. Honestly, that sounds so current in so many ways. <laughs> yeah, isn't that something? Extremely dramatic and did not catch on very well with the rest of California. Well, with the suppression of the Confederate supporters, I have to imagine the Civil War became a rallying call for many pro-Union Californians. Residents would volunteer and travel east to join the fight. In fact, Union Square in San Francisco was named for its use during rallies to support the Union Army. Exactly. In fact, I want to speak about a particular person who often spoke in Union Square in support of Lincoln and the northern states. He was a famous minister named Thomas Stark King, and he was originally from New York and lived in New England. When he eventually moved to California, he was seen as a zealous mouthpiece of sorts against secession. And Lincoln himself credited Stark King with preventing California from separating from the Union. So here are a few of his quotes. The state must be northernized thoroughly by schools, Atlantic monthlies, lectures, New England preachers. Obviously, it seems like he wanted California to be born in the image of the Union, the northern states. I found a second quote of his where he speaks of Vice President Calhoun, who was a staunch supporter of slavery and expanded rights for the southern states. And I quote, I pitched into secession, concession, and Calhoun, right and left, and made the southerners applaud. I pledged California to a northern republic and to a flag that should have no treacherous threads of cotton in its warp and the audience came down in thunder. So, uh, you might say that the major pro-Union war efforts in California during this period boiled down to three things. The Benicia Arsenal, the supply of gold to the Union war effort, and, of course, a war of words and passionate speeches, as always. Yeah, for such a young state, so far from the rest of the conflict, I found it astounding how so involved Californians residents were in the Civil War. And the importance of the Benicia Arsenal, too, is something I'd never realized growing up here. And what I have learned is it can be incredibly interesting and valuable to revisit zeitgeist moments in earlier history, like the Civil War. So in order to better understand the possible origins of where we find ourselves today, I think we need to take a step back often and see where history brought us. Looks like we're out of time for today. Thanks for listening. Big thanks to Ms. Duarte for exploring this topic with me. Tune in next week for a discussion on, maybe we do it on famous Punisha people. How do you think about that? Oh, that's a great idea. Love it. So, Go with that. Yeah. You can check the museum website archives online at www.benishahistoricalmuseum.org for podcasts, images, and narratives. And be sure to visit the museum at 2060 Camel Road whenever it opens. If you wish, donate online and be sure to like us on Facebook. Remember, the history of California is written in the story of Benicia.